titled the sermon this morning, Satisfied Yet Ambitious. Satisfied Yet Ambitious. And uh, we're going to be moving through the bulk of the verses here in Romans 15. I want to begin with the first uh, set of verses here. The first set of verses, a hope-filled salvation. That's what I'm calling these verses, a hope-filled salvation. Verses 8 through 13. Look at what Paul does here as we begin. He says this, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, that is the Jews, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles may glorify God for His mercy. So, Remember what we've been covering up to this point. We have been seeing Paul address a church made up of both Jews and Gentiles. Now one body in Christ brought together. The dividing wall is gone. Christ has brought unity where there was separation before. And it is in the gospel that this unity thrives. This love is shown. And so He's been pulling them together in the power of the gospel, a vision of how to love one another even though there's different backgrounds and and personalities and preferences and past experiences. And so he says, look, look at what Christ has done to accomplish this. In a sense, he's saying, consider the, the display of who God is in the gospel. To the Jews, God showed himself true through Christ uh, that, that he's true to his word. He's a promise keeper. Those promises made to the patriarchs are fulfilled in Christ. He is the the fullness of of, of all of their longing. He is faithful. He is also merciful. And so as we worship this morning, I was just thinking, He is worthy. Think in terms of, of all that He reveals Himself to be. He is worthy because He's true. He's worthy because He's faithful to His Word. He is worthy because He's merciful to the likes of us, sinners. We don't deserve this gift of love in Christ, but we have received it. Nonetheless, He is worthy of all praise. And so we sing together of one who is worthy. Paul goes on, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. Look what he's doing here. And again, praise the Lord all you Gentiles, and let the peoples, let all the peoples extol him. And again, Paul's just going shotgun blasts here. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. What's Paul doing? You see what this is? He is drawing from Old Testament scriptures to show The plan of old has always been that in Christ all nations would be finding hope. He quotes from the law. He quotes from history. He quotes from the poetry, the Psalms. And he quotes from the prophets. Four passages all pointing to the fact that the Gentiles have from of old been in view. Targeted with salvation. Not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. This is an awesome thing he does. If you ever wonder if the Apostle Paul knew his Old Testament, treasured it, valued it in the Gospel, absolutely he does. It blows my mind that churches in our day would turn a blind eye to the Old Testament. Friends, it is the Gospel that opens our eyes to 
to, to, to see the fullness of those pages in the Old Testament. They're all about Christ, and they're even more powerful once you see the gospel to dig in and study and preach and proclaim. And so for those Jews who would say, I don't like this adjustment. I don't like that, that now all of a sudden we're, we're having to mix it up with these Gentiles. Paul had no time for that. There's one church. We're together in this. No division. But we find our unity in Christ. It's the plan of old. Christ Jesus, the hope of all the nations. Friends, it's true today too. It's still true. Every nation, tribe, and tongue will be represented in the kingdom. That's an awesome promise. We read this in Revelation. Some from every nation, tribe, and tongue will sing His praise forever. Our work is to go get Him. <laughs> that's, that's our call. Go reach Him. Go proclaim. Go, go tell the story, as it were. And watch what I do, he says. May the God of all hope, Paul breaks into this this blessing and, and, and prayer over this Roman church. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You may abound in hope. Think, look at the words he uses here. This is a, a, just a prayer. This is a pastor's heart for a congregation. By the way, a congregation he's never met. Paul has never been to Rome. Remember that? He's, he hasn't yet been there. So he loves these people from a distance and he just breaks into a prayer for them. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Believing in what? Believing in Christ, right? In the Gospel. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Friend, if you came this morning and you've been struggling to find hope, let me just tell you this. You're not going to find it by watching Fox News. <laughs> you're not going to find it by pouring yourself with all of your hope into the next election. You're not going to find hope in a person here. Oh, I know. Sad. That's how I feel sometimes when I watch the news. <laughs> what do you do in a day that is just feeling increasingly dark? What do you do when you're feeling like this country is just coming apart? Breaking into tears? Feels like it. What do you do when you are aware of your own sin? What do you do when you are at a loss as to how to solve a situation in your family? When, when it's just a mess. When, when everywhere you look, it's just dark. Where do you turn? The God of all hope has an answer for you. The same hope that was offered through the Gospel as Paul wrote to the Roman church is alive and offered today. Friends, listen. We live in times that are shaking the very ground we stand on. Yes, I get it. Things are falling apart, right? Our nation is, is, is running against God like never before, it feels like. Things are, are, are just, I mean, 
institutions that we used to count upon are, are crumbling and, and, and the economy, I mean, good night. Look what that's doing. The God of all hope. Here's the thing, Christian. We have this in Christ. So of all of the people that you know in your life, the Christians should be those who have hope. We have hope. Why, why do we have hope? Is this wishful thinking? No. This hope is, is settled. It's firm. It's fixed. It's not wishful thinking. It's confidence in the God who is and the God who has promised. Better days are coming. Absolutely. God of all hope. And here's the thing that it connects to. Joy and peace. When you have this hope, you don't have to go through your entire week grumbling and mumbling. You can go to the gas station and you can watch that thing just go off the charts and you don't have to let it steal your joy. I'm preaching to myself, man. He is the God of all hope. He is sovereign. He is in control. Christ is coming again. It's going to be okay. We're His forever, come what may. The God of all hope, may He bring you joy and peace in Christ and cause us to overflow. Friends, the darker it gets around us, the more we should stand out, honestly. I mean, we're the ones who have hope. We don't fix our hope on a nation or person in office, or policy. We fix our hope in Christ. I feel like that's just a gift for us in the, in the time we find ourselves. It can get a lot worse, and it will likely get a lot worse. Don't lose hope. Don't, don't get distracted. Don't get shifty and like, whoa, what do we do? Just, just run for the hills. No. Plant your feet on Christ. Run to Him. If you have yet to trust Him as Savior, then turn from your sin and run to Him in faith. Save me, Jesus. I trust You. I need You. Deliver me from myself, from my sin, from this darkness. I want hope, joy, peace, and life. I pray that God will accomplish that in your life today. Give Him your heart. All of it. Now, we move into this Interesting section. It's, it's kind of a transition here from the, all of the teaching and application work now to kind of a, 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 an assessment. Paul steps back and kind of surveys things as he looks over this. And these verses uh, kind of introduce to us the closing verses of, of Romans. So I call this a humble satisfaction. A humble satisfaction. Verse 14 I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. I was struck about these verses. Remember where Paul is writing Romans? He's in Corinth. Okay, now if you've read through First and Second Corinthians, you know that the church in Corinth, they had some issues. Okay, that was a difficult church to shepherd. There was some real issues there, and Paul delighted in them as well. But as he looks at Rome, he obviously he's addressed some issues there, but he sees 
that there is so much good taking place there. He's, he's commending them. I am satisfied. Another word there would be confident. I'm, I'm excited. I'm confident about you, my brothers. You're full of goodness. There's fruit on display in this church in Rome. Filled with all knowledge. You know the gospel. You're studying the word. You're embracing the teaching. And you're able to instruct one another. It's a joyful confidence that Paul expresses to them as he begins to conclude this letter. He uses this word, able to instruct one another. It's, the word is nutheteo. It, it's, it's to admonish. You, you're, you're able to admonish one another. You can encourage one another, warn one another, advise one another in wisdom of the Lord with the Scriptures. And this is a, a mark of a healthy church. When, it, when a church, a congregation, can love one another such that they can come alongside one another and say, hey, brother, I just want to encourage you this morning. I know you're feeling down, but let me encourage you with these verses. Stand firm. Find your peace and your joy in Christ. It's not just my job. My joy, right, on Sunday mornings is to do that in our midst. Sometimes to step on your toes in love. Listen, turn from that sin. Repent of it. It's, it's also our job, collectively, the one another's, the church body, the congregation. When you're walking alongside someone and you see them start to stray off into the dark or, or their path turns into sin, what do you do? You put your arm around them and you come alongside and you say, listen, I, I, don't, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like maybe you're, you're looking for life in a place that it doesn't exist. Let me, let me point the way. There's a better way. A better way. You see someone begin to bow to an idol on this earth, some form of, 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 of heart surrender to something other than Christ. What do you do? Well, you, you come and admonish them in love. I care about you too much to... To see you throw this away, don't do it. That's our work. That's our job. Now, I want you to just think right now. Who in your life in this congregation can you nutheteo this week? Can you encourage? Can you point the way for? Come alongside. Put your arm around. This is a brotherly love. A, a, a love of family. Who needs to be warned? this week who needs wisdom someone to point the way i was talking with someone earlier in the week and they said you know i just I just appreciate being able to talk i don't have a lot of people that i can look to in this way and i was encouraged by that but i was also reminded as i studied this we we have one another we we have all of these one another's what a gift that is when you're struggling with a decision Look around. Get good counsel. When you're down and you're disappointed, you're discouraged, find a brother or a sister who can encourage you. He goes on. He says, but on some points I have written you very boldly by way of reminder. Because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of, the, of, of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, that is, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. 
So this is a, a really a display of a pastor's heart. Paul has admonished. He has nuthateoed from a distance. And, and you remember this, he has never met these people face to face. Most of them he doesn't know in a, in, a, in a close relational way. He's just heard of them from a distance. And so on the points where he's corrected them, and, and even boldly so, he's, he's wanting to point them upwards. Listen, d- don't, don't just hear this as Paul's opinion. Remember this. This is the grace that was given me to be a minister of Christ Jesus. I'm, I'm correcting you with the words of God. I'm bringing this correction from the Lord to you for your good in love. There's a lot happening in here, but I, I think you see a pastor's heart. He cares for them. That's where the correction comes. And he wants them to be a, a pleasing offering to the Lord. The pastor that cares nothing about the condition of the flock, but just that there is a flock, is not a loving pastor. You don't just say, well, great, we got a bunch of people together. It's all good. No. You say, how are the sheep? Who's hurting? Who's struggling? Who's straying? How do we need to shepherd and love and care and encourage? And so, in some situations here in in Romans, he's very directly uh, sought to correct wrong thinking. You could see those in the church as this letter is written. I just uh, often imagine what it would be like to have the whole congregation together and then to have Paul's letter read for the first time. I imagine at points along the way, come on, man. Are you serious? You know, some crossed arms, some, some head between the, the knees. Oh, man. Are you really? That's what. Paul comes with a pastor's heart now to encourage. I, I said this because I love you. I said these as words of God for your benefit, for your good. I pray that you'll feel that when I preach as well. Listen, my job is not to uh, offend you, try to find all the ways that I can make your life miserable. My job is to faithfully proclaim what is written in this book. That is the bar to which I am held to an account. In love, right? To bring you the Word of God without apology or compromise. That's my commitment. That's what we candidated on when we came in 2008. And by the grace of God, that's what I want to do until I'm dead. Or until you decide I'm so old you just can't handle it anymore. (laughs) To love with the Word of God. We need more of that in our day. Don't mince the words. Don't beat around the bush. Love people with the Word. All of the Word. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work, Paul says, my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. This is a fascinating thing that Paul does here. He's looking back over his work. It's not just in Rome now. He's looking beyond this. He's looking back over the last many years of his life. And It's like a smile breaks out on his face. Yes! Yes! I'm so excited to see what God has done. I will venture, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. 
I'm not going to talk about what I did. I'm going to talk about what Christ did through me. Hmm. Boasting in the accomplishments of Christ. That's the right boast, right? Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We boast in the Lord, not in ourselves. That's why it's a humble satisfaction. He is so excited about what God has done. He's boasting in the accomplishments of Christ. Which is why I love that song so much. That new song we sang even today, just before the sermon. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. That's why at the end of your life, Christian, you will stand before the King of Kings and you will say, to you be glory alone. It's not because you didn't do anything. It's because everything you did that is glorifying to the Lord and honoring to Him was done in His strength. That's the point. I did it, yes. I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but through Christ in me, Paul says. So boast in the Lord, Christian. Tell your story. Tell the story of what God has done in your life. Tell your children, dads. Tell them how He saved you from your sins. How He scooped you up out of the pit of your own depravity and your sins and how He set you on the rock of Christ. We can glory even in our weakness because when we are weak, He is strong. Tell them about the bad days as well as the good days. Show them a real Gospel. God retells our stories for His glory. What we once saw as only failure and heartache, He can turn into incredible opportunity to show His power and encouragement for those who may be in the same situation. So Paul is surveying and celebrating. He's looking back over the years and he's saying, man, remember when we started this thing? <laughs> remember this? Remember that? And you imagine those around him as the letter's being written. Oh, Paul, remember when that happened? Oh, yeah. Like when they, they thought you were dead because they hit you with so many rocks. They dragged you out of the city and they left you for dead and then you got back up and you went back in the city. Remember that day? Yeah, I remember that. That was a painful day. Or maybe he's like, no, I don't remember that. <laughs> Surveying and celebrating. Oh, families, do this more. Do this more. Not just at Thanksgiving. This is a good thing to do at Thanksgiving. Rehearse the year. Consider your blessings. Count them. Name them. Write them. Record them. But throughout the year, what he's done, how he's worked, I will venture, not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, and by the, Spirit, the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elycrium, Il, Ilic, how do you say that? Illyricum, that's it. Thank you, Gary. I practiced that too. I did. I, Illyricum. That's a long way from Jerusalem. From, from Jerusalem to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. I want to just show you a little glimpse here of what Paul is considering. As he looks back and surveys, he sees the Jews and Gentiles reached. 
He sees the joy of faithful, not compromising, people-pleasing, but faithful and fruitful gospel proclamation. Oh, we long for that here. At the end of my life, I long to be able to say, praise God for holding us in that category as a church. For God's authenticating and saving power. Remember this, uh, the Roman church, for example, they didn't have a Bible to bounce Paul's words off of and say, okay, I don't know, it's like, eh, do we really believe him or not? No, the way that that was confirmed as Paul preached and traveled and proclaimed the gospel was through authenticating signs of apostolic authority. And that was throughout his ministry on display. The most miraculous thing God can do through the power of the Holy Spirit is save someone from their sins. And that happened constantly in his ministry. Key churches had been planted in these important regions and strengthened. Look at the the map of Paul's travels as he looks back. Now this this final uh, green course over here hasn't yet happened, but all of this over here, you see way over here from Jerusalem where it began, all the way up into Macedonia, and then north of there is where uh, Illyricum uh, was. So think uh, Bosnia uh, out in that area, um, above Albania, modern day at least. So the gospel had penetrated far up into the north and all of the work that that entailed. Think of the suffering that that required. Think of the labor, the perseverance that that many travels over those many years required. And Paul with a smile looks back and says, Soli Deo Gloria. Look at what you've done, Christ. Look at what you've accomplished. This is the right boast. This is the kind of boast that every Christian should find an expression of in our lives. 20 years of fruitful ministry. 20 years. Paul is is roughly 50 years old now. He's only got 10 years left. He doesn't know that yet. But he's got 10 years left. He's been serving and pouring himself out for 20 years and with a smile, he looks back and he celebrates. Praise God for what he's done. Now, before we move on, I just want to say we can do the same thing here. We can do the same thing. I remember early days of coming in 2008 and, and, and the excitement of, of being here and getting to know people for the first time and, and arriving. I also remember some of the challenges. And some of you who are here, you remember this. Like There were some challenges we had and early struggles to, to get over. What kind of church are we going to be? Are we committed to every verse or is that just kind of in theory. No, in practice. We're going to preach them all. We're not going to apologize. We're not going to compromise. We're going to do that. And, and oh, how God was faithful to help us establish that. The Word of God to stand upon. Oh, the love that we've seen displayed over the many years we've been here. I've seen people grow up in the Lord. I've seen people grow in strength in their walk with the Lord, fall in love, get married, and now having kids. That's, a, that's an awesome thing to see. We've seen prayers, answer, count. I can't even begin to count how many prayers God's, God's answered over the last 14 years since we've been here. 
Now, it didn't start when we came. That started long before we came. All of his work, the legacy of faith handed down. It's been a wonderful journey thus far. 14 years for us here. 14 years. It's been good days. I mean, really good days. There's been bad days. Really, really tough days. My, my, my worst days in ministry happened at this church, by far, hands down. And my favorite, most incredible days have happened at this church as well. I wouldn't trade them for anything because God was at work forging this church in the darkest of days. And God was shining forth His glory in the greatest of days. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Maybe we should just all print up some shirts and say, our best days are behind us. Maybe we should just say, I just can't imagine it getting any better. Let's just, let's just close the doors and enjoy this. Let's get on the, the been there, done that t-shirt. We worked hard. It was a good run. Now let's just celebrate. Let's enjoy one another. Let's just do Let's protect this. We don't want to mess this up. It's too awesome. Let's keep this. Amen. Amen. You know where I'm going. Friends, that instinct is subtle, but it is always to be guarded against. I have been in church ministry long enough to hear it said in a thousand different ways. Well, we really loved this church in the early days, and then it grew. Uh, tell, to, to telling of, of other churches, right? When people have been there. Oh, it was so fun when we planted this church. It was just like this group of people. We were all in, and then, and then it just grew, and then, well, man, oh. I remember back when so-and-so was here. Those were the best days. Now, you want to write a recipe of how to kill a church? Do that. Do that. Just like an ingrown toenail. Right? Come on. We're not meant to just be inbred and ingrown. We're called to the nations. And the last time I checked, there are way more people around us who are unsaved than are in this room who are saved. So, Watch what Paul does. He doesn't simply look back and say, oh, it was a great run. 20 years. Now I'm just going to ease up. Just kind of skate through the final years. He doesn't do that. Listen to these verses. These are, these are revealing verses of the heart of, a, of an impassioned man who loves the Gospel and the lost. A holy ambition a whole, that, that word ambition is perfect for this. Verse 20. From, oh, I'll start in verse 19. From Jerusalem and all the way around Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the Gospel of Christ. And thus, and because of that, with that in view, I make it my ambition to preach the Gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of Him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is an ambition 
to take the gospel as a frontier evangelist and church planter into places where he's never been. And no one has been with the gospel. So Paul is strategizing this work. Key churches have been planted. He could spend the rest of his days uh, just building and strengthening those churches. And don't get me wrong, that would not be wrong to do. That's the whole point. He's a church planter. So he sends Timothy to Ephesus. Strengthen, build, appoint elders, right? Grow this church. There is work to be done as a local church. That's, that's what Paul would dream of our work here. But Paul uniquely has been called as an apostle to reach the nations, the Gentiles. And so he's like, where do I go now? Where, what's left? There's work to be done. I make it my ambition to reach those yet unreached. Now this is where we can latch on to this. We can say this collectively together. Good shepherd, we can make it our ambition to reach those yet unreached. And here's the amazing thing. We live in a dark state. We don't have to go very far at all to do that. We could jump across the street and find people who are desperately in need of Christ. The, the assumption used to be that people had, had at least categories of sin and, and gospel and understanding. Not anymore, not in this country. There are many people who are coming up in homes so dark, so godless, they have no interaction with the truth of God's word, no exposure to the proclamation of the gospel. They're all around us. We have been put here by God for such a time as this. Make it your ambition, my friend. Good Shepherd Community Church, make it your ambition to reach those yet unreached. He goes on, this is the reason why I've often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, I love that he would even say it that way. He is a church planter. There's churches planted. They're doing their work. Since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Now, Paul plays his cards. We know where he's aiming. He wants to go to Spain. And to be helped along my, on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, think of this. Think of how these words may have impacted the people in Rome. They're so excited that Paul has written them. Yes, he's never visited them. He's visited some of his other churches multiple times. And he's like, I've been longing to come to Rome, but I haven't been able to make it. But at some point, I'm going to see you on my way somewhere else. Do you see how that could potentially offend some of the Romans? Well, what, you don't think we're important enough for you to make us the destination of your next journey? We're Rome. We're the center of the empire, Paul. And he's like, absolutely. I'll stop by on my way to Spain. I'm going to enjoy your company for a while. Not long, because i got work to do. West of you. There's people who've never heard. There's a priority in our labor. It's not enough to say we are about discipleship. We are about evangelism and discipleship. Everything we do in the Christian life should be functioning on those rails. The two rails the train runs on. Evangelism and discipleship. Reach the unsaved for Christ so that they are saved. Grow them up in the Lord. Discipleship. 
Paul is loving those in Rome and longing for the unreached in Spain. Both of these are wonderful displays of his heart. He says, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution to the poor among the saints of Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in the spiritual blessings, they ought to also to be of service to them in material blessings. And so, Paul, I mean, just learn about who, who Paul is and how he thinks. This is, this is a man on the move. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. There it is again. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Hmm. What do we learn from this? Paul is writing from Corinth, heading to Jerusalem with a, a love gift from Macedonia and Achaia that he's gathered and collected. And as he's doing this, he's already planning his trip to Spain by way of Rome. This is strategy. This is forethought. This is purposeful living. We can gain from this, friends. Don't allow evangelism to be an afterthought. Oh man, I'm just waiting for someone to ask me about Jesus. Plan it. Pursue it. Live it. Pray to that end. Make a plan. How am I going to reach the unreached in my workplace? What do I need to be doing today to, to see a bridge built so that tomorrow I can share Christ? to someone who is yet to be reached by the Gospel. This is a good example for us. A good reminder. Not all of us are called to be traveling evangelists and church planners. The Lord clearly called me to be a local church pastor. That's what I've loved. I've always loved that, that ministry, the local church. I wanted to pour my life into the local church. That, that involves evangelism and discipleship. It involves all of us. Paul is satisfied, joyful, celebrating, and yet ambitious at the very same time. It's possible to be joyfully content and celebrating what God has done and at the same time have a holy discontent because more people need Jesus Christ. There's more hurting people lost and dying in their sins, going to the fires of hell all around us. We can't just circle the wagons and hug each other for the rest of our days. Yes, we love each other. In fact, Paul's going to say next week or the following week, greet each other with a holy kiss. i got to figure out what that looks like. But the longing, the ambition is, praise God for what He's done. Let's get after what He's called us to do. Why would we build another building? Why, why would we do that? Because we want to go through all the pain and heartache of raising funds and all the hassle of getting permits. and the Why would we ever want to do that? I'll tell you why. So that more people would be saved. That's the only reason it's worth it. And it's very worth it if that's the opportunity that God puts before us. That's why we would do that. That's why Paul would get on a boat and travel risking his life all over the East satisfied yet ambitious so a response this morning good shepherd 
May you just delight with gratitude in what God has done, both in your life and in the life of this church. Celebrate His goodness, His grace. Look at this service. It's filled with people. Who did that? God did that. God has grown us over these last years. We're grateful to Him. Do we say, well, that's, I guess our work is done. We'll just enjoy this and, and, and stay here, right? Just with us. No. Ambition. All the more. Let's grow. Let's reach those who are yet to be reached. We look back and we lean ahead. We, we lean forward. There's more work to be done. Who in your life needs to be here with us? Who at work should be here with us? How can you pursue that? Build that bridge. Invite. Encourage. We'll figure out where to put them when they come. We can choose to seek comfort and predictability. We can reduce risk and play it safe. We can become inward like an ingrown toenail. And we can watch this church begin to die. Or we can faithfully run and strain ahead, resolve to run the race. You know, he says, he said, run the race. Not meander, not walk. Run! That's the ambition. In Paul, he's calling us through the Lord to run this race, faithful with gospel proclamation, a holy ambition to reach the lost, willing to risk. Absolutely. We have to be willing to risk. But in Christ, is it really a risk? Willing to suffer, willing to sacrifice. Lay down comfort for who? For the King. For the glory of God and the joy of the nations. Friends, there may be people, we prayed early on, that the Lord would raise up from within our midst people who would give themselves to full-time missions in difficult places. And God raised up three individuals from our tiny little church who went into full-time missions in hard places. You might be here today, young person or not-so-young person, and you feel God pulling on your heart to go across the ocean to an unreached people group and proclaim Christ where He is yet to be proclaimed. Listen to that voice. Listen to that stirring. What might you do to participate in that mission effort? Or you might be here and the Lord's calling you to go across the street. Listen to Him and lean into it. Be ambitious for the kingdom. Let's pray. Oh God, we celebrate the example of, of Paul. This man who was impassioned to bring the Gospel to lost and dying, hell-bound people. We pray that, that as You work through him, You would work through us. Thank You, Lord, for what You're doing in this county. Thank You for faithful churches that are shining bright and growing, Lord. We pray that Your will be done in this church. If You want to grow us, then help us to know how to grow right in, 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 in a healthy way, wisely and ambitiously reaching the lost, Lord. If You want us to just keep ministering faithfully year after year, then we want to do that as well. It's not an either-or. We, we want to trust You and lean into what You have planned for us. We thank You for each person here. And oh God, I pray that they would treasure You. 
through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, that as we do so, you would draw others in, that we might herald the good news of the gospel to as many people in this county as possible, and through those you raise up to go across the sea to the ends of the earth, we pray. Thank you for the work you're doing. We praise you. Give all glory to you, Jesus, for the accomplishments that you have brought through our people here, Good Shepherd Community Church. And all the more in the years ahead, we know, O oh God, our best days are yet to come. And so we lean into those days with all our might. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.